On Monday's June 22nd edition, Dak Prescott signs franchise tag, the Belmont Stakes, recap of the RBC Heritage, and much more. Due to many weather delays, the Geico 500 was postponed till Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, Sirius XM, and NASCAR Radio. The race was scheduled at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, but had lightning, rain, and heavy winds. NASCAR officials had no choice but to postpone the event till Monday. Originally, Talladega Speedway was going to hold 5,000 fans the most since the pandemic. Last week, the Miami Homestead Speedway hosted 1,000 servicemen and women that were from the state of Florida. However, one of those fans included Saints running back Alvin Kamara, who recently became a fan of Bubba Wallace. It's been a rough year for most sporting leagues, but NASCAR has seen the worst of it. Due to the outbreak, NASCAR was shut down for seven weeks, and when they returned, they've had a few delays and now a postponement. The Talladega Speedway announced on Twitter that the 5,000 fans that attended today would be able to take part in tomorrow's race, but if not, they would be refunded at NASCAR.com. Fans were urged by NASCAR officials to take shelter 30 minutes before the race started. Drivers and fans had to wait two hours until NASCAR officially postponed the event till tomorrow. Martin Truex Jr. and last week's winner Danny Hamlin would start at the front row for tomorrow's race. However, according to meteorologists, there could be heavy rain and lightning tomorrow as well. There are reports the GEICO 500 could be delayed again to weather. The GEICO 500 is the ninth racing event for NASCAR since the pandemic. As of now, NASCAR plans to run the GEICO 500 regardless if the weather acts up again. The NBA is set to return on July 30th at the ESPN Complex in Disney World. Although, according to multiple reports, certain players, governors, and team executives are concerned about the growing cases of the coronavirus in Florida. Over the weekend, the Players Association had a virtual meeting about the coronavirus. First reported by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe, Executive Director for the Players Association, Michelle Roberts said, Can't say that I'm surprised, given the state's approach to reopening. We are obviously clearly modifying the situation. We will take some souls in knowing players will not travel commercially to Orlando. That access to the campus is severely limited, and of course, all of the other health and safety protocols are in place. The numbers will keep our attention. If necessary, to add further restrictions respecting those third parties having access to camp, we will seek to implement them. The third party she was referring to was the Disneyland employees that were not going to be tested. Certain players in the Players Association raised their concerns in the meeting about certain workers having direct contact with them. Roberts also confirmed that the NBA and Players Association will continue to clearly, closely monitor the city of Orlando. Commissioner Adam Silver, along with most team governors, are determined to finish the season in Orlando, Florida. Three weeks ago, the League and Players Association agreed to resume the 2019-2020 season in the ESPN Complex at Walt Disney World. However, Justice Winslow and other players in the league suggested that every employee at Disneyland or return home sleeping in their beds and having close contact with people in Florida that could have the virus. Many teams in the league are projected to arrive in Orlando around July 7th to the 9th, but the Toronto Raptors are scheduled to return sometime in the next week to start training. When every team arrives at the ESPN Complex in Walt Disney World, they'll be subject to quarantine for 48 hours until their tests come back negative. Before we dive into some more awesome sports topics, I'd like to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard anything about Anchor, it's the easiest way to mic a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Can't go wrong with that. And guess what? There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's not all, though. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It keeps on getting better, though. 
you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, let's get back to the show. UFC Fight Night was back last Saturday with the main event being a heavyweight match between Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. Blades was ranked third in the heavyweight rankings while Volkov was ranked seventh. Blades' record coming into the fight was 14-2 while Volkov's was 38-1. Blades landed 116 of his 163 strikes, totaling 71%, while landing 69 out of 99 strikes for 69%. Volkov landed 127 of his 177 strikes, also being at 71%, while only landing 31 of his 77 significant strikes for just 40%. Blades ended up winning the decision after five rounds. Other events included a featherweight match between... 8th-ranked Josh Emmett versus 10th-ranked Shane Burgos, a women's bantamweight between 6th-ranked Rachel Pennington and 10th-ranked Marion Renault, a welterweight match between Below Muhammad and Lyman Good, and to cap it all off, a catchweight match between Jim Miller and Roosevelt Roberts. The winners from these matches were Emmett, Pennington, Muhammad, and Miller. All were by decision except for Miller, who won by submission at 225 in round one. What a day of golf it was. Despite the weather delay and late finish, it didn't affect much of the golfers. Webb Simpson won the RBC Heritage at the Harbor Town Golf Links in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Simpson had an unbelievable 22 under par and his second win of the year. Earlier this year in February, Simpson won the Waste Management Open in Phoenix, Arizona. It was also Simpson's second win on Father's Day, dating all the way back to 2012 at the U.S. Open. Webb has now claimed the top spot in the FedEx Cup playoffs after his second win in the 2020 season. For the final round, Simpson had seven birdies and no bogeys, although it wasn't easy as Abraham Anser was right behind him with 21 under par for the tournament. Anser was looking for his first win on the tour and just came up short after having a birdie on the 18th. The rest of the top five was last week's winner Daniel Berger, Tyler Hatton, Sergio Garcia, Joaquin Neiman, and Brooks Kepka. For the second straight week on the tour, they had no fans at the club. It seemed to help most of the golfers in the tournament because it was high scoring. Berger's last week's winner at Colonial was also so close to having a playoff with Simpson. Berger finished with 20 under par. Tyler Hatton had a share of the lead after round three, but couldn't quite do it and finished tied for fourth with 19 under par. The 2017 Masters winner Sergio Garcia also tied for fourth with 19 under par. Brooks Kepka, the reigning two-time PGA Tour Championship winner, finished fifth with 18 under par. Kepka was consistent through the whole event and finished a respectable fifth place. Former number one golfer in the FedEx Cup playoffs, Rory McIlroy finished the day tied for 41st place with 11 under par, and Bryson DeChambeau finished tied for eighth with a 17 under par. Next week, the PGA Tour will head to the Travelers Championship at the TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. The Belmont Stakes took place on Saturday at Belmont Park. For the first time in the event's 151 years, it took place with no spectators. Tis the Law won the Belmont Stakes by four lengths over Dr. Post and was the first New York bred horse to win the hometown event since 1882. New York has been dying for sports and couldn't have asked for more after Tis the Law won the Belmont. Tis the Law had a 6-5 morning line favorite and jockey Manny Franco rode his first Triple Crown race. Tis the Law was at 4.5 odds, Dr. Post at 7-1 odds, and Max Player with 14-1 odds. The Belmont is usually the last of the Triple Crown race, but due to the outbreak, it was the first. Jockey for Tis the Law, Manny Franco, said about his horse, he was calm and relaxed at the race, which helped him win the Belmont. According to New York's 
bracing association, the track was shortened from one and one half to one and one eighth to properly account for the scheduled adjustment for the Triple Crown Series and overall calendar for three-year-olds in training. The last time Tis the Law owners, Sakatoga Stable, were close to winning the Triple Crown was in 2003 when their other horse, Funny Side, won both the Belmont and Preakness but came up just shy of winning the Kentucky Derby. Trainer for Tis the Law, Barkley Tag, said they are completely different horses comparing Tis the Law to Funny Side. Tiz is more malleable. Funny side was all right. You can't hold him. He was a strong horse and very tough. Barkley Tag said he wants to prepare Tiz the Law for the Traveler Stake on August 8th. However, it will be close to two months before Tiz the Law gets back to racing over three months till the crown jewel of them all, the Kentucky Derby. The MLBPA met on Friday and determined they would delay the vote for a 60-game proposal by the league. The Players Association was originally going to vote on Friday about the recent proposal by the league, but due to the ongoing pandemic, the union decided to delay it until sometime earlier this week. According to multiple sources, they will likely vote Monday. The league had rejected the Players' 70-game proposal and wants to play as few games as possible because fear of a second wave of the coronavirus. If the playoffs are canceled, the league could lose up to $1 billion. The players in the league have argued since May 12th on when to start and how many games should be played. The players also want full prorated salaries and opt out with pay if players are at high risk. A source confirmed to ESPN the players also don't want to return to play until new data for the coronavirus is released. The MLBPA has two options on how to start the delayed season. They can either accept the league's proposal for 60 games or decline and Commissioner Rob Manford will force a season that would be around 48 to 50 games. However, the Players Association could file a grievance that could cost the owners up to $1 billion in back pay if the league forces a season. The collective bargaining agreement ends in December 2021 and the league forces a season. The players would have full leverage for the new CBA in 2022. If the 2020 MLB season is played, it would likely start on July 19th and end on September 27th. The postseason would be expanded from 10 to 14 teams. On Friday, all MLB training camps were closed because of the outbreak. Many reported that multiple players had tested positive for COVID-19 and the MLPPA is getting worried. Dak Prescott will sign a $31 million exclusive franchise tender. Him and the Cowboys will have until July 15th to work out the long-term extension he has been seeking. The Cowboys placed the tag on March 18th, and he is planning to sign it on Monday. When signing the franchise tag, Prescott will be obligated to show up to training camp on time, even if the Cowboys cannot reach a long-term extension. But being one of the highest-paid players in the league and potentially for his franchise to increase by a mandatory 20% next season, making the new total $37.7 million gives the Cowboys an incentive to sign him to a long-term deal by the deadline July 15th. Earlier this offseason, they had offered Dak a long-term deal, which would put him with the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Seattle's Russell Wilson is currently the highest-paid NFL quarterback at $35 million, followed by Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers with $34 million. The Cowboys had hoped to give Prescott an extension last offseason that would have given him potentially nine figures, but the quarterback was willing to pay play for $2.2 million in 2019. However, the Cowboys have had multiple contract situations to, to juggle, with starting back Zeke Elliott and wide receiver Amari Cooper also wanting a bigger contract. They had given Zeke, who they had taken in the same draft as Dak in the first round, a 60-year, $90 million contract just earlier this offseason. They had given Cooper, who they traded for at the Raiders in 2018, received a five-year, $100 million extension as well, leaving Dak the only one left needing to get signed. The Cowboys took Prescott in the fourth round back in the 2016 NFL Draft. 
and would replace longtime Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo his rookie season after Romo got injured. Since then, he has started all 64 games. He went on to win Rookie of the Year that season after throwing for 23 touchdowns, leading the Cowboys to a 13-3 record going to the divisional round of the playoffs. In his short NFL career, Dak has thrown for 15,778 yards, 97 touchdowns through the air, along with 21 on the ground, which is 36 interceptions. He also has 12,300 yards passing, only behind Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman for second in team history.